This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This BFM Budget 2023 special is brought to you by Ma Singh. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, you've tuned into The Property Show, the show all about everything property-related, and I'm Chong Jian Sun. Today, we're looking at Budget 2023 and the impact on the property sector. Budget 2023 was tabled on the 24th of February. On the surface, there appeared to be nothing too significant for property buyers or even companies. This may disappoint potential buyers as property ownership has become more challenging, especially with stagnating wages, higher interest rates, and also inflationary pressures. Additionally, Radar has also warned of increasing property prices. How are industry players reacting to the incentives for Budget 2023? Joining me to discuss this is Lung Kok Wen, Regional Head of Property at RHB Investment Bank. Kok Wen, firstly, did Budget 2023 for the property sector meet expectations of radar and analysts in general? Yeah, hi, Jensen. Yeah, um, regarding your questions, I guess, you know, yes and no. I think the market did not expect any uh, material incentives or measures as far as I know uh, to be announced this round. And also, given the short span of time since the new government was formed, uh, the authority will really need to have sufficient time to study the impact before introducing any new measures or incentives. So I would say, you know, this round, i.e. nothing much on property, is probably within market expectation or at least my expectation. But how were the incentives different from, say, the budget that was tabled in October 2022? What did the government omit from the one that was tabled in October of last year? Uh, well, you know, in October budget, there was an increase in stamp duty exemption of uh, up to 75%. So it was 50% last time. So this is for residential properties priced between 500,000 to 1 million for first-time home buyers. So, you know, for, for this time round, based on my, my check with, you know, certain industry player, uh, this still this is still valid. This incentive is still valid. And, and this is, you know, somewhat similar to the uh, home ownership campaign HOC in the past. Uh, recall under the HOC, property buyers were able to enjoy 100% stamp duty exemption for residential properties uh, priced up to 1 million. So this time, uh, we have 75% stamp duty exemption for, for properties uh, 500,000 to 1 million. Right? So, um, so it's already somewhat similar. And also, you know, considering that HOC was already implemented for, I think, nearly two years, if I'm not wrong. And, and in the past, especially during the pandemic, I guess, you know, this is the, the reason why the government doesn't have any plan to reintroduce or to bring back the HOC this time round. Just to be clear, uh, so the stamp duty exemption which you mentioned up to 75%, although it was not mentioned in this budget this time round, it is still valid. I heard It was this still valid, but again, you know, uh, hopefully the government will, will provide more details and to to verify this lah. But based on the feedback from industry players, I heard this is still valid. And got one of significance from the budget is the construction of twelve thousand four hundred units of low cost houses under the program Perumahan Rakyat or PPR, and four thousand two hundred fifty rumah mesra rakyat by Syarikat Perumahan Negara Berhad. Will this help narrow the demand supply gap for affordable housing and? Which 
which companies will be beneficiaries? Okay, um, in terms of beneficiaries, I think it should be the construction companies or, or contractors that are undertaking these housing projects. To make this public housing project successful, I think the government should consider the locations for this housing properly. And if they are re- located at, let's say, you know, some remote areas that are inconvenient for the low-income group, those units will not be taken up and, and this will worsen the supply glut for this segment. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, they, they should be located at the city centre or anywhere or anywhere strategic, but to some extent, the location should have decent amenities and probably, you know, along public transport routes. So, so I would say, you know, it really depends on the location and, and how convenient the, the amenities are for, you know, for, for the low-income group. So, you know, and, and this will hence, you know, the, this will hence, you know, have an impact on the demand supply uh, for this segment. Uh, on the surface, the property sector appears to be an indirect beneficiary of some of the initiatives for construction from the budget. This would include the expansion of Penang International Airport and Subang Airport, the mandate of the Tun Raza Exchange as Malaysia's international financial hub and the commitment towards MRT3. Will this give developers more pricing power for some of the launches within this vicinity? Well, I would think so. Areas near to this developments uh, should have higher population density, commercial activities and, you know, perhaps job opportunities. Areas near to the airport are typically good for industrial activities as well. So um, developers should have more pricing power if they have projects near these places. But of course, you know, they they have to be realistic also, you know, uh, not to overprice the products and, and, you know, if, if the products or if the properties are priced too expensive, you know, it will result in low demand as well. So, you know, they have more pricing power, yes, but not too high either. Yeah, so they have to strike a balance, right? Yeah, yeah. So the government also aims to strengthen the development of Iskandar Malaysia in Johor via a creation of a special financial zone and competitive remuneration packages to attract international investors and skilled workers to settle in Malaysia. Would you have more insights on this and will this help solve the still very uh, lackluster property in the Johor market? Um, well, unfortunately, I don't have any insight um, but I'm sure if the government is serious to revive the Iskandar Malaysia region uh, by attracting more FDIs uh, the property market in Johor will, will surely pick up again um, here I must specifically say that you know my meaning of FDIs exclude more housing or property development projects I guess you know we, we have enough of that and, and what we really want to see is the foreign or local investments that are in manufacturing I mean the productive sectors and services sectors are um, and let's say, you know, data centres as well, uh, and preferably something, you know, that will bring in transfer of advanced technology uh, from, from overseas countries. Uh, in the longer run, we need to sustainably raise the income level of people so that, you know, we can have better affordability. And when do you think the incentives from the budget will alter the guidance from developers in terms of their guidance for new pre-sales? No, I, I don't think so. You know, after all, our economy has just uh, recovered from the pandemic. And I mean, right now, I would say most developers are cautiously optimistic at this juncture. Uh, not fully confident yet, but you know, the reopening of economy and the stronger GDP growth do suggest that the outlook should be better and uh, developers should have more confidence in launching their projects uh, uh, this year. So on average for say 2023 versus say last year, are most of the companies or the developers under your coverage, are they guiding for higher pre-sales? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they, I think based on the, the 
numbers that they, some some developers released during the February round of results, um, I think so far most of them are guiding higher sales target for this year. And perhaps I would say on average is five to fifteen percent growth year on year. So you know, again, you know, this is indicating the developers, the players' confidence uh, to the property market on the property market this year. Um, so you know, this is something uh, encouraging, I guess. And when also will the incentives from the budget change the segments or the pricing points that developers will actually look to launch their future product? Uh, well, um, not really. I think most developers are still focusing on um, the mid to high end, sorry, mid to mid high end, high rise and landed products. Perhaps, you know, those ranging 400 to 800,000. Um, township properties are typically the bread and butter for developers, you know, it's uh, uh, evergreen so-called. And for high rise, we need to see the location. Um, so, you know, I, I think they, they will still very much focus on, on this segment in, I would say, this year at least. Uh, recently, Radar also warned that inflation and a higher cost of doing business are likely to push property prices up by as much as double digits this year. And it does sound like property developers are in a bit of a pickle. They don't have that much choice. However, wages have not really caught up and moved up in tandem. Hence, should we expect slower sales going forward, say, moving to second half of this year? Well, I mean, I, I don't think it will be double digits, to be honest, in terms of uh, the property price increase, perhaps, you know, single digit because of the cost factor. Um, to a certain extent, I, I believe developers will have to absorb some costs while passing on some costs to end buyers too. Um, thus far, based on what the developers have announced, most of them, yeah, like I said, you know, they, they are guiding higher sales target for this year. So, you know, I, I think th- this is a good sign and, and hence, you know, we, we are not expecting slower sales for, for this year at least. Yeah. Okay, that's good to know. And we'll be taking a short break for some messages. Don't go anywhere. BFM 89.9. Stay tuned to BFM's Budget 2023 special, brought to you by Marsing. Welcome back. You've tuned into The Property Show. I'm Chong Jensen. Today's topic, Budget 2023 and the impact on the property sector. And joining me to discuss this is Lung Kokwen, Regional Head of Property at RHB Investment Bank. Kokwen, according to National Property Information Center or NAPIC, the residential property overhang as at end of third quarter of last year is stood at close to 30,000 units and is worth close to 20 billion ringgit. The three key states which contributed the most to this is Selangor, Johor and Penang. In terms of products, high-rise residences contribute the lion's share of overhang at 64% and products priced more than 1 million also taking the majority at 43%. Will any incentives from the budget help to reduce the overhang numbers in Malaysia? Hey, I, I guess not this round of budget, um, but in the past, the HOC, the Home Ownership Campaign, uh, has helped to reduce the numbers. Uh, we must also take note that you know some of these overhang units could also come from public housing like you know Prima Homes last time and, and other... Uh, public housing projects as well that, that were developed in the past. So, like I mentioned earlier, yeah, some, some of these overhang properties were also, you know, contributed by low-cost housing that are remotely located. Um, so, this means that, or, or this could mean that the number of overhang units may not be able to go lower substantially. Also more worrying is, uh, NAPIC has also revealed that the ageing of the total overhang numbers, where 71% of the properties have not been sold for the past 5 to 10 years, what 
does this mean for the state of the some of the developers' balance sheets as inventory has to be written down? Okay, um, for this question, I guess, you know, we, we really need to zoom into what type of properties that were not sold for so many years. Um, over the past few years, to be honest, we have seen many developers wrote down their unsold inventory already and some had kitchen sinking exercise. Um, and so their, you know, balance sheet has already reflected the impairment. Um, at the same time, also many of them have actively rolled out incentives to unwind their unsold inventory. Many of them have successfully brought down their inventory levels after, you know, three, four years of uh, of effort to sell the unsold units. So, of course, you know, for, for those units that have been written down, uh, unfortunately, they, they were probably being sold at lower prices compared to initial launch. Yeah, so it does disadvantage some of the earlier buyers uh, that bought some of the earlier phases, right? Yeah, yeah, you can say so. And Kotwin, what are still some of the key headwinds for the sector? Have there been any improvements, say, in the labour shortage situation? Yeah, um, I, I mean, you know, earlier, I, I guess it was last year, you know, uh, developers and, and contractors are facing rising building material costs. Um, and of course, at the same time, the labour shortage as well. I guess in terms of building material costs, is yes, probably... Uh, stabilized uh, quite a bit over the last few months. And uh, for labor shortage issue, you know, the feedback that we uh, that we gathered from developers and contractors and perhaps planters as well, you know, they, they have started receiving batches of foreign workers already. Um, not the full batch, but I guess, you know, uh, this still helps. But are you also seeing more developers, say, uh, adopting more IBS or industrial building systems to reduce the reliance on labor? Uh, yeah, for IBS right now, um, not many many developers are using this still, um, primarily because, you know, there is significant upfront cost uh, to be incurred when, when they set up the, the facilities, the IBS plant. And typically, you know, developers have various projects in different locations, at different locations. So transportation costs may be another issue if IBS is adopted for all the projects. I see. How do developers then protect themselves from, say, LADs if, if they don't have enough labour? Well, um, I think earlier on, during the pandemic time, some of the developers have already uh, applied or they obtained the EOT extension of time to complete the, the projects. So uh, I think right now, so far, uh, most of them are still probably, you know, can uh, are able to deliver on time. And of course, you know, some developers, they did make provision on, on LAD as well. But so far, the, the numbers or the amount that we saw is uh, not too significant. Godwin, I'd like to touch a bit about loan approvals. Can you give us an idea in terms of loan approvals? What has it been like? How easy is it to get a loan now for, for a purchase of a property? Okay, Um. as far as I know, it is still roughly the same. Uh, the banks have not ease or tighten uh, and loan approval rate is still roughly about 40 over percent. Uh, really, you know, banks will still look at your income level, credit history, uh, asset base, you know, uh, how much savings you have, uh, how much outstanding loan you have, you know, when, when you apply uh, mortgages or when the banks approve mortgages. So, you know, I, I guess, you know, they are just doing what they should do uh, in terms of loan approvals. But are you seeing a bit more financial stress among consumers and the percentage of properties that are being auctioned 
production? Has that been increasing? Um, well, I, I don't have the number, I mean, the auction number, to be honest. But I guess, you know, our interest rate levels are not extraordinarily high, uh, even after last few rounds of OPR hikes. Um, we, we are probably just back to the, you know, normalised level. Uh, mortgage rate is currently around uh, 4%, which is still uh, slightly below the 4.5-4.6% levels prior to the pandemic. Um, so I think, you know, that there could be some financial stress for, for some people, but it may not be that bad since our economy is uh, recovering well. And Kotwin, I noticed there was nothing material on artificial intelligence and big data for the property sector in the budget. But shouldn't this start at the top, i.e. the government, to ensure that the right housing policies are adopted and to understand the demographics and changing needs to ensure that land usage is the most efficient and there is minimal inventory overhang going forward? Um, yeah, of course. I mean, that that's the ideal way of doing the study, uh, like, like what you mentioned just now. But of course, you know, it is not easy and it involves a lot of time and uh, effort to, you know, to start collecting uh, uh, for, for data collection, data mining and analysis, etc. Um, and if this kind of data is widely available, I think, you know, a lot of people, including myself, you know, will find it very useful and valuable uh, and, and, you know, the, the uh, beneficiaries for, for this kind of data will be the, of course, the developers, the bankers and, and other stakeholders as well. Um, really, I I think, you know, authority will need to put in a lot of effort, you know, to, to produce uh, such data. Um, hopefully, um, not, not long into the future, you know, we, we can have these uh, resources uh, yeah, for us to be, uh, for us to use. Uh. Is this something that perhaps Radar is championing? Um, yeah, last time I, I, yeah, I, I think they, they started doing, but I'm not sure the progress. Um, yeah, they, they did. They I think it's something work in progress, but it's, I think, you know, it's not easy in, in my impression. And Kwon, I'd like to tap on some of your expertise in terms of where the property hotspots are now. Which properties are really selling faster than others? Um, okay, I, I think, you know, the, the main... Uh, I mean, the, the most sellable products are still the, the township properties. Um, like, you know, um, let's say some some townships, like, you know, the, the like say, let's say under SP Satya will, will be like uh, Satya Alam, Banda uh, Kimbara. Uh, for some, Dabi will be Elmina. Uh, let's say for some some affordable housing player, it will be like, uh, let's say Matrix, Banda uh, Street, Sundayan, uh, in Sundayan area. So, so you know, this these are the bread and butter products uh, for for all these township developers. Um, of course, you know, there are also um, developers doing mid-end uh, high-rise products in the Klang Valley. Uh, Masing has a few and also, you know, in terms of take-up rate, it's actually quite encouraging. Uh, of course, yeah, yeah Masing also did a, a mid-end landed township products in uh, in Sepang area and, you know, the, the response is very encouraging as well. So, I think, you know, the, the key sellable properties are still, you know, in this segment yeah, that, that, you know, they are still on demand. What would you say are some of the characteristics of some of these townships you mentioned? Is it because they offer some integrated lifestyle, which is not present in, in some of the other neighbourhoods? Well, I guess, you know, in... For, for this kind of township, of course, you know, the designs compared to the old old townships, right, old Taman and all that, of course, you know, the amenities, the landscaping are much better, more organised, you know, nicer, prettier and, and more, you know, more conducive or more convenient for new families. So that's why, you know, they, they are quite sellable, you know, for, for the new families, uh, you know, those, the, the young 
the young people who just you know got married and you know wanted to start a family. So so that's why you know the township properties are are still quite popular. And also of course you know the, we we are Asians or, or Malaysians. Our mentality is typically I mean we have the preference for landed homes and to own our own house. Uh, you know is is guess is the tradition so far. And for the mid range or high rise residential properties, probably because for those again it's the young young population you know when they come to the uh, when they come to work and in in the KL area probably you know this this kind of uh, properties will be more suitable for them and finally Cockburn what is your call on the property sector and your top picks is there a particular segment of the market that you are more positive on um yeah we we have an overweight on the sector I think you know it's kind of it is a contrarian call I would say but again you know and if you look at the overall macroeconomic environment uh, we do we do think that you know the the economy is gaining momentum not only in Malaysia but also regionally as well. Uh, first is that you know interest rate up cycle is probably uh, nearing the peak. Um, we we are expecting the interest rate to peak by end of uh, first half this year, and of course you know more importantly is the China reopening. Um, and we we think the the positive spillover will be quite quite uh, impactful. And of course you know not not only the hospitality or the tourism sector will, will, will come up or will gain momentum. Uh, but that, that could be a spillover to the property market as well. Um, so, you know, in, in terms of uh, stock picks and all, we, we like developers with sizable uh, property investment assets uh, as demand for property tends to be more cyclical and, and also more sensitive to policy changes. Uh, companies with retail malls and hospitality assets are expected to benefit first from the return of uh, from the return of for, uh, foreign travelers and also resilient domestic tourism. So uh, our preference is LI properties um, and for township developers we like matrix concepts and you know matrix has been consistently delivering uh, their sales numbers, earnings, as well as uh, dividend. That's all the time we have for the property show. I've been speaking to Lung Kok Wen, Regional Head of Property at RHB Investment Bank. We have the 10 a.m. news bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise BFM 89.9. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, the business station. This BFM Budget 2023 special was brought to you by Marsing. Reinvent spaces. Enhance life. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.